darkness, out of the swirling clouds of 20th century time, comes a mysterious figure. <laughs> well, what have you been so smart about? I am mysterious. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, uh, speaking of the mysterious things, would you pre- prepare to play that one on this side, Tony? Just hold it there for a second. We'd like to salute a victim, a real victim. Because uh, nothing is more truly the hallmark of the victim than to be totally humiliated. It happened in Prague. A 36-year-old man survived a suicide attempt after jumping off the Sakota Bridge into three inches of water in the Ostrovici River. The man landed on his feet and sank waist-deep into the mud. A rescue team, which worked 30 minutes to pull him out of the mud, then immediately took him to an alcoholic clinic. Sorry, the other one, please. The other one. The other one. Take that first one off. We don't need that. Please. Thank you. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard it before. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can afford, man. Let's go. Here we go. Imagine this poor guy, though, 10, 15 years from now, if he, if he uh, manages to survive. I mean, manages to not uh, pull it off right the next time. He manages to, you know, survive. And 10, 15 years from now, he's telling guys in the tavern about how he jumped off the bridge and sank into the mud. And, uh, you know, I I, I, uh, I, <laughs> I think that uh, that reminds me, though, if, uh, if some, of the, some of the stories, I want to tell you a story you probably won't believe. Because nobody's ever believed me. Nobody has ever... Have you ever seen things which uh, you saw with your own eyes and you try to tell other people and nobody believed it and then eventually you just sort of gave up? You just gave up, you know. After that point, uh, you just don't want to say any more about it and just let it go at that. Well, I had a thing happen to me on a date one time when I was about... Uh, well, I was in high school, as a matter of fact. And it was a you know beautiful weekend and uh, just beautiful... I'd shine that car. My my Ford was just magnificent. It was sparkling. And I had this girl in the front seat of the car, and we were driving along the Outer Drive in Chicago. I'm going to tell you the story. You won't believe it, but this is what happened. We're driving along the Outer Drive in Chicago. Now, the Outer Drive is roughly uh, in a lot of cars. It's like uh, Long Island Expressway or something, you know, 12 million cars, all moving very fast and uh, all in the same direction. It was a big dividing lane type thing there, and over on the other side, the other cars are coming towards you. And I'm whipping along with all the rest. And they were practically bumper to bumper. Well, we're sitting in the car, uh, shooting the breeze, and uh, she's looking fantastic, and my eyeballs are sweating because I keep looking over at her, and boy, was she looking great, see? So we're driving along, 
I'm being very cool, telling her about how the car's uh, working great now since I ground the valves. You know, that sparkling conversation, the kind of stuff that I can only think of to talk about. Like, uh, hey, do you hear that funny noise back in the differential? Hear that? Hear that? Listen to that. Hear that? Hear that? That's got a bird there on the second gear. Hear it? Yes, sir. I'm going down to Montgomery Ward so you can get a rebuilt. Well, uh, anyway, I'm talking that kind of stuff, see? And uh, she's looking out of the window. It's Sunday. It's beautiful. Beautiful day. Sometimes uh, when I when I see the news, when I'm watching the news and I hear uh, discussions of crime and violence, I remember this scene. I will tell you what happened to me. I'm driving the car. Well, a car whips past me. He just passed me. He's going like mad, seeing he, he goes right past. Now, this since this was a one-way street, I mean, one-way, it was a big boulevard, but it was one way, he went on the wrong side. So he just was whipping past. Another one goes on the other side. Two cars went, like, uh, just split right in the middle there. And one went on one side of me, one on the other. And they were going like mad. Well, they just whipped past. And, of course, it, that happened a lot of times. So I wasn't paying attention. Then I noticed something. Strange thing. I noticed, uh, I'm just glancing ahead, driving along. I see something sticking out of the car. Like something projecting out of the side of the car on the side opposite the driver. Well, at first I thought maybe he was carrying something in the car and it was sticking out, see? I didn't think anything about it. Well, it did something. It made a very peculiar thing. There's a little, like a little flash. I noticed a little flash at the end of this thing. Now, he's about maybe 30 or 40 or 50 feet ahead of me, see? Now, and he's directly ahead of me. There's no car between me and him. You got it? And there were cars on either side of us, but there was no car between me and this guy. And I see a little flash go, ting, like that. Well, then, I, again, still didn't think much about it. Maybe something was reflecting, but it was a little flash. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, like you do when you're driving along at 55, 60 miles an hour in a thing like the L.I. Expressway. And I see the same thing in the back of me. There's a car behind me with a projection like that. And there's another flash. I see this thing flashing. Well, it was like a double take. I must have gone about 15 seconds or 20 seconds not not digesting it. My head was like a, you know, a piece of cheesecake for a minute there. And nothing, nothing came out of it. And I see another flash up ahead. Then I notice that this thing that's sticking out is moving. It's moving. And I see it's an arm. It is a human arm. And in the hand of the human arm was a great big fat Roscoe. A gun. <laughs> and the flash that I've seen, this guy has fired the gun and he's shooting it at the guy behind me and I am between the two cars. They are shooting at each other. The guy behind me is shooting at the guy ahead of me, and there I am in between the two. They go, like a bang, bang. Well, I look around, and all the other cars are in. People are just driving. It's Sunday, you know. The guy's driving along there with his kids and the picnic basket and all that jazz. Well, with that, I swerve to my right, and the car behind me picks up steam like Billy be damned. See, he just drove like mad, and now they're right next to each other. See, they're really, they're about... 15 feet behind each other, and I can... St I now hear the sound. And it goes, boom, boom. And it, boom. And another hand comes out the other side, and now there's about three Roscoes banging away at each other at a range of about, I'd say, 15 to 20 feet, something like that. Well, they swerved off to the left, 
They went off to the left, and one of them now is driving along on, on kind of like by the curb, see, uh, where the big divider is. With that, he stops. Just stops. Well, the cars are going around him, see. And a character jumps out of the car, and he's running through the bushes. There was a big, like a clump of bushes in this divider that divided these two roads. He runs through the bushes, and another guy jumps out of the other car, and he's running after him, going, pow, pow, pow. Well, of course, traffic is going by. Traffic roars by. I roar by. And the girl who was with me didn't see a thing. I said, did you see those guys shooting at each other? She says, what, what? What do you mean? I, they were shooting in front of me, behind me, the car. The guy ran in the bushes. She says, what are you talking about? And all the rest of the cars all around me were driving along calmly. Now, the uh, or drive, you don't stop. They're driving along. I can't see anything in my rearview mirror. We've gone already around a big bend, you know, and it's gone. I said, two guys shooting at each other. One guy chased the other guy through the bushes. They probably ran over the other lane, you know. She says, well, what are you talking about? She said, come on, are you trying to be funny or what? I said, no, I'm not trying to be They were shooting. We were right. You know, and I figured, you know, I look around, I'd see bullet holes in the car, nothing. Here they were shooting. Well, you know that I went home and I told everybody at home that. My kid brother starts to laugh. He says, what are you talking about? And I said, no, they were shooting out on the other drive. And to this day, it never appeared in the papers. To this day, I know I saw that. Apparently nobody else in the line of cars that I was with saw it. But I saw it. The girl who was with me thought I was being funny all day long. You know, we would we'd go out. We were on our way to the museum, as a matter of fact. We were going to the Field Museum. We are going to have a big day, you know, Field Museum. That's a good cheap date, see. We were, <laughs> we were going to go to the Field Museum and over to the aquarium and all that stuff. And, and all day long after that, she kept saying, you know, what, 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 what are you trying to tell me about those guys? She said, you know, somebody's shooting that. All right. It happened. Now I will tell you another one. No, I, 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 might as well, I might as well come out and tell you, you know, things, the things that nobody has ever believed me when I told them that I saw this happen. You know, these things. So, uh, all right. Another incident. You ready for another one? Uh, unbelievable moment. I am, I am sitting in a, in, a, in a bus this time. And I am coming home from uh, someplace. And there were a whole load of buses, a whole load of people in the bus. It was, a, it was a crowded bus. And I was sitting by the window on the left side. Okay? And my mind is out to, you know, it's out to rest. <laughs> my mind would, uh, my mind occasionally does. I think everybody, you know, they, you, how, how many times during the day do you find your mind is out to pasture? You know, it just ain't doing nothing. And uh, you're not thinking of anything, anything. You're, you're just a living piece of protoplasm. So I'm sitting there, uh, my hand, my mouth is hanging open. I'm looking out the window. This is what I saw. We were riding along. Uh, we were, we were uh, on one side was a whole row of stores. It was a big street, you know, a whole row of stores. On the other side was, uh, it was like the country, you know. On the other side, there was a lot of just vacant lots and the, uh, and the, uh, a lot of weeds and a couple of signboards, and off in the distance is a used car lot or something like that. But it was essentially flat and uh, weedy off to the left, see? And I'm looking out there. When all of a sudden, now I, to this day I don't know what that, what it is I saw. I, 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 I just describe what I saw and then let you, you know, come to your own conclusions. I see something 
right outside. I mean, it, it looked like it was about, uh, I can see it yet. It was. Uh, it looked like it was maybe uh, half a block away, or it was hard to tell because it was in the air. There was something silver in the air, and it was slanting down and going very fast, and it was shiny. It just slanted down, and it reached a certain point that looked like it was right above the horizon when it exploded. It just made a big flash, a yellow and, and red flash, and disappeared. I was astounded. I thought an airplane had crashed or something out there. I said, you know, that's the first thing you think of. I thought there was some kind of a crash or something out there. I saw that thing. And, and here was a guy sitting next to me on the bus, just an ordinary guy. He's sitting there reading the papers. I said, did you see that? Did you see what was that? He looked up at me. What, 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 what? I said, something just went by the window out there and blew up. He looked at me like I was a nut. You know, and he sort of scrunched over to the other edge of the seat, you know, to get away from me. <laughs> and I looked around. Nobody else saw it in the bus. Everybody else was just sitting there reading their papers or scratching or talking. And there I am. I felt like that guy, you know, in the Philadelphia Inquirer ad. You know, the only one that's uh, that's reading the paper. Well, now, ever since that time, I have, I have hesitated to tell people about that. Because immediately, of course, I went home and I said, Hey, I saw this thing in the air and it, uh, it blew up or something. And my brother gets, oh, yeah? What do you mean? Uh, well, you know, maybe it's an airplane. I says, no, nobody else seemed to see it. And so, you know, then there was a kind of a laugh. My brother said, well, <laughs> that's the way it is. That's what it is. That's the first symptom, you know. And from that time on, I've just never talked about it. Now, that's exactly what I saw. The, you know, great inexplicable sights. This is WOR in New York. And uh, before we do that one, Tony, I've got a little thing here for, you know, if you're a fun seeker, and uh, which one of us is not a fun seeker? I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to recommend Palisades Amusement Park, which is now open daily for the season with 200 exciting rides. You can ride on all of them one day. Really do it to yourself. Super attractions plus a million new lights and a glorious new color scheme. So this year, Palisades celebrates another great season as one of America's truly great amusement parks, and their prices are the same. So uh, get out there and enjoy it. So whatever your pleasure, be it the rides, the attractions, or just, you know, you just like to go over and stand around and look at the chicks. The wonderful, full-filled, fun-filled atmosphere to park itself. Come on over, as that guy that drinks all the orange juice says. This message sponsored by the United States Army. Yeah. Throughout the Army's history, there have been many great young men who have learned to value liberty in the service of their land. They're the artillery, armor, infantry, the rugged men in green. If you're the man for the job, today's Army wants to join you. For the location of your nearest Army representative, call 800-243-6000 toll-free. Yeah. And they paid a toll anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, uh, that uh, those uh, those things. I tell you another one. Now wait, wait. Now wait a minute. I'll tell you another one uh, that I saw. Of course, uh, you see him in the in the form of uh, uh, you see him you see him in athletics occasionally. You see something that happened. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll describe a scene. Another thing. Hardly anybody believes it today. In fact, uh, uh, there were fifty six thousand people in this park. And I suspect that me and a couple of other guys were the only guys that saw this happen. We're sitting way out in the corner. Way out in the right field corner. You got the picture. 
You know, if, if you've uh, if you know anything about a baseball park, you know that the foul line, the right field foul line, you know, goes right down past first base and all the way out to the right field wall. Well, now this was at Comiskey Park in Chicago, which is a real big park, tremendous park, and we are sitting way out in the right field corner. However, we are facing center field. We're not in the right field corner of the bleachers looking towards home plate. We are on the foul line. You see what I'm saying here? We're sitting in foul territory, and we got box seats right down on the field, which was terrible seats. I don't know whether you've ever sat in box seats so far out in right field that you can't even see the grass. <laughs> you know, the grass is above your head. So uh, we, we're sitting down there, little realizing we are about to see a fantastic drama. Okay? Now, we are not more than about 15, maybe 10 feet from the right field wall. You got it. Okay. Now, the, the, it is in way late in the game. It is a doubleheader. And it is getting quite, uh, uh, quite uh, grayish. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon. They have not turned the lights on yet. So uh, it's kind of curious, kind of twilight. And getting a little dark. And so when you're way out in right field, looking in the darkness of the, of the, uh, you know, the home plate area, it's like a big cavern. You can just see those people way down there. And, uh, and, and, of course, on the other hand, when they're sitting back of home plate looking out the right field, the right fielder is a, is a hazy figure. He's, he's way the hell out there. See? So, all right, we're sitting there, and it's a tense game. The Chicago White Sox are playing the New York Yankees. Now, it was obviously not an important series for the White Sox, theoretically. I mean, uh, actually, they were, oh, probably 45, 50 games out of first. Uh, after all, it was July. So uh, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were maybe a half a game out of third place in the American Association by that point. They were sinking down even at the lower leagues. So there they were. But the Yankees were battling it out with the Detroit Tigers, which incidentally would have hated rivals of the Chicago White Sox although the Tigers never knew it. So, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, the, the Yankees were battling it out with the Detroit Tigers, and it was way at the end, it was the end of July. It was a desperate, desperate uh, pennant struggle, and there were about eight percentage points that were keeping the Yankees in first place. And the crowd out there, it was 56,000 people. It was Zeke Benora Day or something, see? So everybody was out there, the millions of people, and we were way out in right field. We were so far out in right field, they were the only seats we could get. Well, we were sitting right on the field. We were right, the, the, the well, there was a, a pipe railing, and all I had to do was look down. Well, you've seen uh, on the uh, TV games when somebody hits a, a ground ball down and you see the guy reach out, and, and uh, well, that's the kind of seat we were sitting in. And five times that day, balls had rolled down the foul line there, and one time my old man says, I'm going to get a ball! The ball was rolling right towards the seat. So he said, we're going to ball. And he leans over the fence with his straw hat. He tries to scoop it in his straw hat. And the ball went whap right through the hat. <laughs> Nothing but a hole in his hat. See? So anyway, we're sitting right down there on that ground. Well, now, the bullpen was out there, too. And so this was the visiting team's bullpen. was right in that corner down there. And uh, all these, these bullpen pitchers were sitting around, a couple of bullpen catchers. And now, here is the Chicago White Sox outfielder. 
and he's standing right in front of us. He's 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 pulled way over to the right field line, and he's he's waiting for something. See, or he's waiting for a shot. And it's great to watch an outfielder when you're sitting right down and you watch. You're right next to him. See, you see the outfielder. Well, now they had won the first game, which was the first game that the White Sox had won from the Yankees in over 12 years. So they won the first game, but the Yankees were desperate. <laughs> Here they were, the White Sox beat them. Well, uh, with that, it came up on a scoreboard that Detroit had won the first game of its doubleheader and was now in first place. In other words, the White Sox had toppled the Yankees out of first place. Well, the crowd was going ape, and here it was. It was late in the second game, and the White Sox were leading the Yankees again. It was unbelievable. That uh, the, the, Here they were. They were leading them 2-1. to one. Well, here it is. It's the ninth inning. The Yankees have got runners. Now, I want you to follow the, the sequence here. The Yankees have got runners on second and third. Right? And a Yankee hitter was up to bat. I don't recall who it was, but he was up to bat, and he was a left-handed hitter. Now, a left-handed hitter generally will hit a ball into the right field slot uh, if he's a pull hitter, and the Yankees had nothing but pull hitters. <laughs> they had nothing but cannoneers, you know, who get at that ball 700 yards. So uh, here's this left-handed hitter. You can see him way down there in the darkness. And the White Sox pitchers winding up the desperate score. It's 2-1, to one, and this crowd is on the edge of their seats. Well, this guy whacked a shot right down the right field line, and you could see it curving. It's curving towards the line. Now, you got it? It's, it's going to drop, see? And it drops in not more than about a foot and a half fair. That ball dropped right in front of us. We saw it. It landed right there. Just one of these little slicing shots that, that cleared the first baseman and went right down the line, and the, the, uh, the right fielder took off, see? He started to go at it, and he realized he ain't going to get to it, see? So he backs up quick because he wants to play it on the hop. He's not going to let this thing get by him. It lands right on the right field line, about, oh, not more than a foot fair, and rolls. Now, get listen to this, Jerry. Come on, you're going to miss this. It rolls right down the line. It strung the line. The ball is rolling right past us to the wall. The first Yankee runner, of course, he takes off from third base and he starts to score. Well, with that, the outfielder turns around and chases the ball to the wall. The ball bounces off the wall. He's chasing it. It's rolling, see? And here he is right directly in front of us. The ball just goes, and it rolls right up to the wall. It goes, bounces off the wall. With that, he reaches down and scoops it, hits it with his glove, and knocks it right into a drain pipe. There was a drain pipe down there. He knocks it in. With that, he turns around and he hollers, Ball to the drain pipe and the drain pipe! Ground rule, ground rule double, ground rule double, ground rule double! He's hollering like that, see? Ground rule double with that! Well, of course, what that meant was that the runner from second could not score. You follow it here? They call him back because he's already around the plate and scoring. See, the Yankees are going to win this ball game because, you know, it's impossible to think of the Yankees. You know, the White Sox come from behind and beating the Yankees. Well, the first runner scores, the second one has already crossed the plate, and this outfielder who knocked the ball into... Remember, he knocked it in there. It didn't roll in. He knocked it in. Just neat. He trapped it and just went like that. So quick. It was amazing. He must have been practicing that play, you know, early in the morning, all by himself for about three years, and now he saw his chance and he used it. That's the kind of play you can only use once. <laughs> but he hollered. He immediately, he, you know, he stood up. And he hollered, Ground rule double! Ball to the, hey, 
back. Well, well the umpire who's who's playing back a first base, you know, the first base umpire, he's been running out, see, along the line, and it's great. Remember, it's kind of dark out there. Well, the outfielder was between him and the wall and the ball. See, the ball was right by the wall, so he can't see through the outfit. He didn't know what happened. All he knows is the ball's going under. With that, the umpire hollers, ground rule, double rule. He turns around, and he's waving the runner back to second. Well, all of the pitchers in the bullpen flipped. Here they were. See, the Yankee pitchers were all sitting there. Well, this pitcher got up, and his face is red. He jumps up, and he, he runs out on the field. <laughs> and, of course, we're all sitting there. We saw it. Well, I don't know whether you know how it feels. I mean, when you're a kid. Now, to me, I worship the White Sox to see one of your heroes cheat. You must realize that I saw... A White Sox outfielder cheat right there in front of my eyes. He's right there. He cheated. It was terrible. Well, I mean, so here you are. You know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, you know, <laughs> my old man is sitting there. <laughs> well, of course, my old man was a true White Sox fan. See, immediately he hollers, Well, double! He saw it, too, see. He, he you know, he's not going to give an inch. And he's yelling and hollering. With that, the pitcher, remember, we're sitting on the right here on the field. With that, the pitcher... Turns around, one of the one of the bullpen pitchers. He was so mad, his face. I can still still remember this guy had a thick neck, uh, and a thick neck, and he had this Yankee cap on. His face was as red as a beet, and he heard my old man yelling. See, there were a lot of fans yelling, but we were sitting right back of him. With that, the pitcher turns around. He says, "You saw it, hey, you saw it!" And the umpire's running down. There. <laughs> the old man hollers, "Ground rule, ground rule!" And with that, the pitcher's red. I think he's going to come over and hit my old man. See, he's really bugged. And, and the outfielder keeps running around out there, the guy, and he's, he's holding the ball up, and he's pointing down at this thing, see, down at the drain pipe. Well, the place went in an uproar. I want to tell you, the Yankees poured out of their dugout. Uh, of course, they were bugged. And every guy down in that bullpen was flipping. The, the, the bullpen catchers, there were about five pitchers. There was one, this one big guy with a red face. And, and a couple of catchers and a couple of just hangers on, you know, trainers and stuff like that. And they all poured out on the field yelling. Well, here they are now. They're all right in front of us having a hassle. Have you ever have you been, ever been really close to a big league hassle? Well, they're they're yelling, and this pitcher is standing on the foul line, and he keeps pointing down, and he he's 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 pantomiming how this guy knocked the ball in with his glove. See, he says ah, he he trapped it, he pushed it right in there. He says, I saw him. Look, all those people, I saw it too. Oh, they saw it. It's a glove. Well, of course, these guys have got the pennant riding on it, you know? I mean, if they lose this ball game, it's liable to be like $15,000 in World Series and the whole thing. So your whole year is going up in smoke from a crummy White Sox outfielder. And by the way, a 193 hitter at best. I mean, he was he was famous in the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was one of the smallest big league ball players who ever played. I'll give you a clue. He was one of the smallest big league ball players who had played uh, regular up to that time, he was uh, he was like the Albie Pearson of his day, see, and uh, he was a little tiny guy, but man, he knew what to do with that ball when he saw it, see. So he's looking very innocent. He's just walking around, says, eh, he's just pointing at the drain pipe, and eh, eh, not me. I didn't throw right in there. What am I going to do, you know? Well, I'm looking very innocent, and, and it was that point, see, I realized that I am seeing a historic moment. I, you know, it never occurred to me that that big league ball players, White Sox big league ball players, could cheat. Like that, well, there was a there was a hassle that went on for about fifteen minutes, and with that, the home plate umpire comes down, and he's he's wearing this big thing, you know, he's still got on his uh, 
his big uh, chest protector and his mask. He's carrying a mask. He's walking down there. And, of course, then it started all over again. The Yankee manager came running out. And he's yelling and hollering. And with that, the White Sox manager comes running across. I could see him running. See, because we're way out in right field. You can see him running across the diamond because he's afraid they're going to reverse the decision. See? So he comes running like mad across there. And now there must have been 35 guys out there all screaming and yelling. And the outfit is walking around. He's pointing at the drain pipe. <laughs> and we're all sitting there watching. There must have been at least 250 White Sox fans who saw the whole incident right from the very beginning. Well, then it, it really started to go. They started to shove each other. You know how that always always winds up with the, with the you know, the Leo DeRocher type. One guy steps on another guy's foot. The next thing you know, they're shoving each other. Now there's about three ball players are rolling around on the ground, wrestling with each other, yelling and hollering, and a couple of guys are throwing towels out of the dugout, you know, and yelling and hollering. Five Yankees got kicked out of the game. Just, they cleaned out the entire bullpen. These bullpen guys were out of their bird. They just cleaned them all out, kicked them all out of the game. One guy was fined $500 for fighting. <laughs> and it was really a fiasco. See, well, then, to, to add insult to injury, the score is now tied 2-2. Two to two. Last of the ninth. You got it? 2-2. Two to two. The White Sox come up. You know, nobody thought, you know, forget it with the White Sox. And, and of course, one of the pitchers, the pitcher that was pitching was a big ace, uh, Yankee ace. You know, here it is, July. He's won 74 games already, you know. His earned run average is .0073, and uh, he's burning them in. So the first guy strikes out. The second guy pops up. The typical White Sox inning, you know, is in, in action. The third guy gets up, and I will never forget this, to the last day of my baseball fanaticism. There was a White Sox third baseman who was so bad as a hitter that even in Comiskey Park, he was a joke. I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding. He was the kind of guy that whenever he got up, but he was a great fielder. That's uh, The White Sox have always had that problem. Great fielders, rotten hitters. And so here was this third baseman that came up, and everybody's starting to holler. The old man is yelling at him. See, Take him out! Take him out! Put him! Take, put him down, Callaway! Take him out! What's the matter with you? And a whole crowd, 56,000 people are yelling, see, to take this guy out. A left-handed hitter. And uh, here he is up the bat, a tall, skinny guy. And he was like uh, uh, who could, he was like the Phil Lintz of the Chicago White Sox. You know, <laughs> remember Phil Lintz? And, uh, yeah, he was. He was a good fielder, but uh, he was no, never a hitter. So here he is, last of the ninth inning. The White Sox are ahead on a cheating play, or they're tied on a cheating play. It's two to two, two outs. And the crowd is going eight. Take him out, take him out. Boo, boo, they were hollering. And the Yankees were bucked. They were really bucked. You could just see the, the smoldering. And he, it was great to see that empty bullpen. <laughs> they kicked them all out, you know. Well, this guy took a couple of balls. He's trying to work it for a walk, obviously. So he, was, he took a couple of balls. The next pitch was right over the heart of the plate. The one after that caught the outside corner and is now 2-2 two to two on our hero. You know, he's got two balls and two strikes. This guy's no hitter at all, see? So everybody hollers, Get a walk! Get a walk! Come on, work it for a walk! Oh, oh. So he fouls the next one off, which was his hit for the week. So uh, he, gets the, he gets a foul tip. I, To this day, it's a legend. 
it is a legend in Comiskey Park what happened on the next pitch. This pitcher rears back. You know, he's going to smoke it past him. He rears back. One of the great pitchers of all time, as a matter of fact. He rears back, and I can remember his back arching. And he takes that big, wide, flat, low stride towards the plate, and he lays in the best pitch he got. And the third baseman hit it into the third deck. I'm telling you, that ball was one of the hardest hit balls I have ever seen in my life. He caught it on the fat part of the bat, and it went, it was going up. Now, Comiskey Park had long right field walls. That ball went up into the third deck, way a double deck rather, went up into the double deck in right field, or maybe 30 feet fair. We saw it go over the outfit right next to us. 30 feet far going up as she went up. That ball was hit 500 feet if it was hit a, it hit a foot. And that ball went up, and I remember it hit way up in the dark vastnesses of the cavern back there. It's a, it's a fantastic home run, and it hit one of the stanchions up there and bounced all the way back almost to second base. A tremendous shot. <laughs> and the people just flipped. They yelled. This guy, he trots around. You know, he goes around in the in the gloom. He goes around second base, and he goes around third base, and the crowd is cheering. You know, all the while, the crowd is, is raising hell. And it was just one of those great golden moments in sports. And then it came on, this big, big scoreboard came on. Detroit was leading Philadelphia 17-2 to in the third inning in the second game. <laughs> Well, that, 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 that play, now the only reason I tell you about this play is for well, what happened afterwards, Matt. Don't go away. The guy that did this, the outfielder that cheated, became one of the leading umpires in the American League. And as a matter of fact, for years, I remember him. He, he was a famous umpire, you know, and he was always he was always uh, kicking guys out of games. And <laughs> he was very, very. Um, he was famous for his uh, for his tough decisions and uh, absolute no favoritism. And uh, it was a very funny thing. He retired here last year or a year or two ago. Yeah, it's a couple of years ago. He retired as a, as a as an umpire. Well, I was in a radio station. Here, oh, it's, it's some time back. See, I was in a radio station, and he was a guest. And there I was in this in this uh, scene where the umpire, whom I had seen, you know, was a White Sox outfit. I was a little kid, and here he was. He was in there talking to the to the uh, to the interviewer about umpiring and how you have to be absolutely uh, you, you've got to be uh, completely impartial. And the one thing you have to do is be honest about your decisions and call them because you have to be honest. See, so. Uh, I, I, I walked into the studio after he finished. He's, he, he looked like an umpire. He's a real solid-looking guy. And still a little short, but solid. So I walked in, and I said, excuse me. And he said, yes? I said, uh, I uh, don't know quite how to say this, but uh, I, uh, I sometimes now, even today, I said, you know, it's been 500 years, and I, I don't believe what I saw. Tell me it ain't so. He says, uh, what, what, uh... May I help you? Uh, what the, could, do you have any questions about umpiring? I said, well, no, not actually. Uh, uh, umpires uh, are mysterious figures to me. 
I've never been an umpire, and I've uh, been a fan of umpires sometimes, but uh, I don't quite know how to say this, sir. But uh, did you... Uh, <laughs> you used to play with the White Sox, didn't you? Well, nobody ever asks umpires about their playing days, and many of them were, you know, quite uh, quite great players in their days. Uh, Bill Kunkel, for example, remember when he, when he pitched with the Yankees, a lot of, you know, a lot of players... Uh, umpires become players, or rather, the other way around. A lot of players become umpires if they're if they've really got a good eye. So, but nobody talks about their days as a player. So I said, uh, "You played with the White Sox, didn't you, sir?" So why, uh, yes, that is true. Uh, I played with the White Sox. Uh, in fact, uh, I played uh, almost my entire major league career was spent with the White Sox. Uh, why do you ask? So, well, uh, sir, you. Uh, you were an outfielder, is that correct? Well, yes, uh, yes, indeed, I was an outfielder. Uh, by George, yes, uh, I, I wasn't much of a hitter, but uh, I was uh, considered a defensive outfielder, quite uh, defensive, yes. I said, uh, listen, I don't want to say anything in front of uh, this interviewer here, but uh, can I ask you a question in the control room, sir? So why, uh, yes, of course. Anything troubling you particularly, I'd be glad to try to help you out, son. Well, we go into the control room, and I said, uh, in front of the engineer, who was obvious, no engineers like sports, so uh, it was, I could say anything I wanted in front of this guy. So uh, I said, uh, hey, uh, excuse me, uh, sir, but uh, but uh, I'd like to ask you a question about, uh, about uh, a certain doubleheader that uh, the White Sox one time played when I was a kid against the uh, New York Yankees. Suddenly came alive. He looked me in the eye, and he stopped being official. He says, "Yes, uh, yes, I do recall a doubleheader. We played many doubleheaders with the Yankees. Uh, which uh, doubleheader are you talking about?" I said, "Well, sir, uh, it was a doubleheader that was being played in July, and the Yankees were nip and tuck with the Detroit Tigers for the uh, for the league lead." And the White Sox took the first game. I, I think I think uh, Vern Kennedy was pitching in the first game. He said, yes, yes, of course. I remember that doubleheader. Of course. Why, George? I said, you recall uh, the third baseman uh, uh, drilled one up in the upper deck in, the, in right field to win the second ball game, and the White Sox swept the doubleheader with the Yankees. It was the first doubleheader that the White Sox had taken in over seven years against anybody, including their own farm team. Used to beat them in the spring training. Do you remember that? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll never forget that game. Matter of fact, uh, says, uh, where were you sitting during that uh, ball game? You were out there or with your father, eh? I said, yes, we were sitting in the right field corner. In fact, we were sitting right there next to you. And uh, I, I, what I wanted to ask about was not the home run that the third baseman hit, but uh, I'd like to ask you about that play. Uh, do you recall uh, a play? Well, let's see. Uh, yes, I, I caught one near the scoreboard in the uh, second inning of the first game. Uh, yes, I remember that play. Uh, it was a running catch. Yes, I recall. Uh, uh, the ball sliced a little. Yes, I remember. No, I said, no, that's not the play that I was talking about. Uh, I don't remember that one. Uh, what I do remember was one uh, a Yankee hitter hit one down uh, the uh, right field line. Was in the in the second game. You call uh, there were runners on second and third, and a, and a runner hit one. The guy hit one down the line, and the ball rolled down the line, and you you chased it. You ran after it, 
And uh, do you remember the ball? Uh, it's jazz. Of course I remember that play. Yes, that was a ground rule double. The uh, ball went into the uh, drain pipe. I remember that. Of course I remember that. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, that play was responsible for them uh, fixing that drain pipe so that uh, no balls could go into it after that. Uh,